0: At Townsquare Media of Southeast Wyoming podcast. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Doug Randall with you, weekend in Wyoming program. Expecting a call from Cody Tucker in Laramie. He's over at the uh, UW Spring football game as we speak, and he'll be calling here just momentarily. Um, expecting that call any minute. Cody, we're ready whenever you are. Uh, give me a call. Uh, in the meantime, you're in tune with the weekend and Wyoming program. Nice day outside, relatively speaking. That's going to change, of course, uh, because we're going to see some colder weather tomorrow, and then we're going to see some... Uh, possibly rain and snow towards monday and tuesday. Now it doesn't look like there'll be a real deluge of rain and snow, but we will be seeing some cooler weather so enjoy the nicer day while it's here. It's it's May in Wyoming. What do you expect? About anything can happen. In the meantime, uh waiting a call from Cody Tucker at the live uh, live at the spring football game in Laramie. Cody, if you're if you're listening, give me a call. Um and uh, he'll be talking about the spring game. There's Cody and good morning cody you're on the air hey doug how how are things in laramie right now oh they're absolutely beautiful it's a good day for football my man so tell us about the spring game what's going on
1: well you know doug there wasn't a there wasn't a spring game last year and uh the weather's absolutely beautiful and this team's got really high expectations so uh it's uh it should be a good crowd out here today and you know, uh, we only got to see two home games last year. So I would imagine there's some folks out there that are jonesing to see some football. And to make matters even better, uh, the mask mandate on campus is lifted, so you don't have to have a mask in the stadium. And uh, people are drinking beer and cooking some food in the, in the uh, parking lot as we speak. So looks like a football atmosphere to me.
0: What time does the game get underway?
1: Uh, two o'clock.
0: Now, who will be playing on the field? Is this the offense against the defense, or how does this work?
1: So we're not sure yet. Um, he, he, Coach Bull didn't really lay out what it was going to be, but the one thing we do know is it's going to be a game. So that's really exciting news for everybody, including a guy like me who's going to be obviously covering the game. It's, it, it, it's not the situational stuff. You know, mm-hmm. let's run a kicker in to try a 40-yarder and let's do a two-minute drill. You know, it won't be stuff like that. It's actually going to be team versus team. And uh, there's a good battle going on at the quarterback spot right now between Sean Chambers and Levi Williams. So I'd like to think that uh, those two will be on opposite teams, and kind of going head to head.
0: Now, of course, uh, Sean Chambers uh, has started previously. He was injured last year or the year before. It's hard to keep track when. Um, is yeah. he is he the favorite for the starting job, or do we know? You know,
1: all indications point to that, Doug. Um, he obviously has suffered three season-ending injuries in a mm-hmm. row. Uh, luckily they haven't been the structural type they you know I guess luckily I don't know if that's the right word for it but uh, they haven't been the structural type they've been the uh, the broken bone type so um, you can get over broken bones I think a little easier than you can get over those uh, torn up knees and ACLs and stuff like that so you um, you'd like to think he's the favorite although Levi Williams did start uh, all you know started five games last year and of course Sean was injured on play number three of the opening game. right. Levi did play a lot of football last year, so you'd like to think that, uh, that he, Levi, thinks he's in the mix. Uh, coaches have said that it's still a battle, but uh, Sean Chambers is 9-3, and three, and I don't think uh, you can overlook that very easily.
0: Are there any other notable position values or battles that we'll be looking at today?
1: Absolutely. Uh, outside linebacker, there's a real heated battle going on between incumbent Charles Hicks and the newcomer Easton Gibbs. Easton uh, finished last year with 42 tackles in six games. He was one off the pace of being number. He was number three overall in the defense and tackles. He was one off of being number two. Uh, however, Chuck Hicks did have a good year himself, and, and uh, Chuck got a couple of fumble recover or a couple of forced fumbles. He picked off a pass. Got a couple of sacks. So a real good battle to watch there. And then there's also a, a battle that I think most would be kind of surprised about: uh, Solomon Bird and Devon Harris at the defensive end spot. Solomon Bird, of course, is uh, one of the the best pass rushers this team has but he opted out of the season last year and in his place devon harris really made some noise and it sounds like that's carried over to the spring so that'll be another position to watch for but uh, obviously the big one's a quarterback and who's under center today so it'll be a big deal to see who uh who comes out today i think that's going to go a long way in establishing this depth chart going into fall
0: cody do we expect to see a lot of rest from the players who did either opt out last year or just didn't see a lot of action because of the shortened season?
1: yeah you know the guys who did play um it kind of worked out nice this is the latest spring game wyoming's ever played obviously it's you know already may a lot of teams have already taken part in their spring games coach ball wanted to give the guys some time to take a blow last year was a really tough year
0: it was it was
1: you know everybody getting stabbed in the brain three times a week to uh just to play and uh so those guys got a little time away from the field which isn't a bad thing. And then of course the opt-outs. You know, uh, Coach Bull's is an old-school guy. I think those guys are going to have to have to find their way back. Uh, another position battle I didn't even mention was Braden Smith and Rome Weber at the free safety spot. Rome also opted out last year, and sounds like Braden Smith's kind of distanced himself there. Uh, so Rome Weber's got some ground to keep, to make up here, but uh, that's what spring's for. So uh, excited for that, and excited for you know, fall camp's going to be. Big. I mean, this team has very big expectations. A lot of people talking championship this year, and and it all starts here.
0: Now, the Mountain West, uh, Boise State's been the power there for several years. Do you think the Cowboys can win the conference?
1: Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I really do. 95% of this roster is back from last year, and if everything went to plan last year, Doug, I think this team was primed to make a run, and Boise State was in Laramie last year. so. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're going to have to go up to Idaho this year. Never an easy place to play. The Cowboys have never won in Boise. Uh, Last time they did play there, the Cowboys, uh, the Broncos actually had to take the Cowboys into overtime before they eventually won. But you got to win those kind of games. I mean, Boise State is the standard. You got to win those games, and uh, that one's going to be a late season tilt up there at Albertson Stadium. And you'd like to think that you know maybe that one's for all the marbles. Uh, Boise State's got quite a few guys coming back as well, as well as most of the Mountain West. It's pretty easy to forget, Doug. San Jose State is the defending Mountain West champions.
0: That Uh, is easy to forget, yes. (laughs) We we think of Boise State as being the power, but they didn't win it last year.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around the fact that the San Jose State Spartans of all teams, and they uh, they took out Boise State in that Mountain West title game last year. So uh, San Jose State has a lot of players back, and uh, it should be a real interesting race, but the Cowboys are really primed to do this. They're, you know... You win games in the trenches. Uh, the Cowboys are two and three deep on the offensive and defensive lines, and you win championships with defense. And the Cowboys have everybody back on defense, and they're two deep in most positions at least. So uh, they the, the big question today is: Can they throw the ball? What will this new passing game look like under first-year offensive coordinator Tim Paulisek? That's obviously been the Cowboys' Achilles heel the last you know since a guy named Josh Allen was under center here. Uh, the, the passing game has not been pretty at times so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like today.
0: Well and you mentioned the passing game I don't know what the weather's like in Laramie right now but I do know the National Weather Service has issued a high wind warning uh, <laughs> that can make it a little more challenging.
1: Yeah well if you're playing quarterback at the University of Wyoming you, you better be able to throw in the wind and yeah, it's a little breezy here I will say I'm watching uh, struggle putting up a tent as we speak <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely windy but you know it, it kind of comes with the territory when you're a wyoming cowboy doesn't it
0: cody are you uh are you out there meeting people can people drop by and say hello and that sort of thing
1: they can we are in the parking lot at the brown and gold outlet which is of course is right across the street from war memorial stadium here on 21st and grand we have a tent up uh we got a new Jeep that's decked out in seventy two twenty sports stickers. You can't miss us. So come by, get a sticker, say hi, and and uh, let's make this feel like a like a real football Saturday.
0: Okay, Cody, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Hey, Doug, thanks, brother. Have a good one. You too. AM six fifty KGAB. You're on the air. Yes, my name is. with veterans rock yeah you you called in earlier you guys have an event going on tonight is that right we do we're gonna we're the charity for the cruise saturday cruise night tonight and what's what's going on first of all who is veterans rock people may not know who you are what is that i assume it's a veterans group
2: veterans rock is a nonprofit organization that helps homeless veterans struggling veterans and veterans who just received housing we help them with anything from shower to do their laundry. We help them with household goods and household kits. They can come in and shop for free for whatever they might need.
0: Now, as far as the event tonight, when is it? Where is it? What's going on? Corner of 25th and Central. We will be there for the cruise night. We'll be ready
2: to take your donations at 6.30 and I think it goes until 10 o'clock tonight. We'll be there despite the wind and any rain or snow we might get.
0: Now, can people make, say, credit card or debit card donations? Is that a possibility? Yes, it is. Okay, great. Is there anything else people should know? Just come out and support
2: your local veterans. We help veterans down local,
0: uh, local
2: veterans, Laramie County, clear down into northern Colorado and western Nebraska.
0: And it should be so a good... Please come and help them. Should be a good night for the cruise tonight, it looks like. We hope so. Okay. Anything else you want people to know or does that cover it? That covers it. Well, we do have
2: a thrift store we would like people to know about. We're open on Saturdays from 1 to 3. We do need volunteers so that we can open up on Saturdays for longer hours.
0: Very good. So if somebody wants to volunteer, what should they do?
2: Give us a call. Our telephone number, 514-0035.
0: Okay. And again, that starts tonight at 630. I'd like to thank you for calling in, and I wish you well on the event tonight. Thank you so much. Have a good day. AM six fifty G A B You're in tune with the weekend in Wyoming program again. That's uh, tonight's uh, fundraiser for the Cheyenne Cruise Nights. That starts at six thirty. Wonderful cause. Um, I myself am not a veteran, but my thoughts on our veterans is that um, we we just can't do enough for these people. Um, and it's something I feel strongly about. We really can't. I mean, they put their lives on the line, and I think that certainly we should do everything we can to. Uh, to help them out when we can, particularly, you know, some of the veterans do face some challenges when they get home. Not everybody, certainly, uh, but those challenges do exist. And I'd like to encourage you to go by and donate this evening, and uh, just in general, support uh, support your veterans whenever you can. Good to have you along today uh, got some segments coming up at eleven thirty five we'll speak with Tom laycock of the aARP about some common scams I know I've been hit with a few scams lately i I was not victimized by any of them uh, but I- I think I got on somebody's list here. I keep getting these texts and these weird phone calls. Um, a few of the scams I've gotten, somebody called me, and this woman was good. She was really good. She called the other day and, and said, you know, we're here to help you with your back taxes. Well, There are two problems with that. First of all, I don't owe any back taxes. I know that for a fact. Secondly, and this is something to keep in mind in general with um, tax scams, it's something not everybody realizes, but the IRS does not just call you up, they always contact you first by mail. Um, I've never actually been contacted by them. My assumption would be probably it's registered mail, but they won't—they won't just call you up. Now that's—that's that's something to keep in mind. Uh, of course, the uh, tax deadline this year was extended until what was it, I think May fifteenth, which would be uh, be next weekend actually. In fact, it'd be a week from today. Um, these these tax scams come in real heavy this time of year. I've I've gotten other ones that weren't nearly as well executed. I I got one a couple of years back with a professional sounding recording saying you owe the IRS money, and I mean uh, the recording was pretty good, but you know just to mess with these people, I called him up. Um, I I don't mean this in the wrong way, but I could barely understand what the man was saying. He didn't speak English real well. It was an obvious scam. Um, just to mess with him, I asked. So, how do you spell IRS for my payment? <laughs> he didn't like that. He called me a stupid American and and hung up on me. And so that that was not one of the better scams. Uh, the more recent one I got just this week, and a friend of mine who's a Facebook friend also got it. Um, they call you up and they say they're quote from the processing center now they don't say they're from the IRS processing center I think I know why they don't do that the reason they don't do that this person who called me up I believe was an actual American she certainly spoke English um like an American and impersonating an IRS agent or any government agent for that matter is a felony can get you three years in prison so they're not going to pile up the potential jail time uh so she didn't say we're with the IRS she said we're with the quote processing center that's red flag number one Uh, Right there, whenever somebody uh, gives you a vague vague description, uh, this is Joe down at the the help desk is another one you get sometimes. Um, When they don't really say what organization they're with, that's, that's a definite red flag. And simply the fact that she was, quote, with the processing center was a giveaway right there. But I will say this, as scammers go, and I get a fair number of these calls, this woman was pretty good. She sounded friendly. She sounded professional. Um... She was actually, uh, as, as scammers that I've dealt with go, she was probably, probably one of the best, if not the best. A lot of them are pretty obviously uh, phonies. Uh, one common thing they'll do is they'll just get mad and start yelling at you, hoping to pressure you into making a payment. That's not going to work. Um, a lot of them, frankly, don't speak English very well. Um, not that you couldn't have a non-native English speaker Uh, certainly dealing with you, uh, you know, in in a legitimate, uh, for a legitimate reason. But uh, let's be honest here, a lot of these calls do originate overseas, and when you talk to somebody who's not a native English speaker, it it doesn't prove it, uh, but it does maybe raise a question, is this legit or is this not legit? So those those are things to keep in mind. Good morning, you're on the air. I was just going to say, another
3: one I've been getting a lot of is your Social Security number has oh, been flagged. yep. Well, so I've been getting a lot of those almost daily, and car warranties.
0: Oh, the car warranties. Don't get me started on the car warranties. <laughs>
3: so, and especially the Social Security Administration, they're not going to call you.
0: No, they're not. And and not only are they not going to call you, they're not just going to freeze your number up if you don't send them a payment on a gift card either, which is typically what these people want. Um, exactly, but I, 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 hate to I, say, I hate to say it, somebody's falling for this or they wouldn't keep doing it.
3: I just don't even answer the phone and if I don't recognize the number anymore.
0: That's that's the policy I've gotten to as well. And I, I tell people who know me, if you're calling, if I recognize the number, I'll answer. But if you're calling from a number I don't recognize, leave me a message because I'm just not going to answer anymore. Uh, and exactly. I, I hate to have to be that way because I want to be accessible to people, but... I get, I get a lot of these calls. Like I said, I got on somebody's list, um, oh, and yeah, it's it's not unusual to get two or three calls a day. So, yeah, I'm the same
3: way. I love the ignore button and the block
0: button. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate the call. Thank you very yeah. much. Am six fifty kgab. Yeah, she brought up another common one: the social security scam. I've been hit with that one as well. Again, I didn't fall for it. Uh, they threatened to quote lock up my social security number if I remember correctly well they, they claimed I'd fraudulently collected social security that's that's a giveaway right there because I've never collected social security as of yet I expect to someday I've not done that yet so I mean I knew right there uh, that that was a scam but I've also gotten the same social security scam uh, via text message and I think I got an email or two I don't recall um, but uh, that that's another big one, the Social Security. The car warranty, I don't even know what to say about that. I get those all the time. I've gotten them for years. I've never given them a dime um, anymore. I don't even answer the phone, but they keep trying. I guess these people are very persistent uh, with the car warranty. I i don't know who these people are. Maybe, maybe there is a legitimate car warranty. I don't know. But I, I do know I get these calls all the time, and I'm to the point where I just won't answer the phone um, it's unfortunate that we have to be that way again because of my job and just you know to, to be friendly to people I would like to be accessible but I constantly get these scam calls and I, I've, I've just gotten to the point where I don't answer the phone unless I know the number and I've told people and you know this goes for anybody who's ever trying to reach me if you happen to have my phone number leave a message I will call you back if it's legit I'm not gonna blow you off um, and I would encourage you to leave a message but I get so many of these scams and something I've been told in regard to these scam calls is if you talk to them and engage with them, uh, that that's a problem right there. I do know that one scam, and we'll, we'll talk to Tom Laycock about all of this after, the other, after the, uh, the other side of the bottom and they are a break, but I've heard that one scam is they'll ask you a question and get you to say yes, they'll record your yes answer and then use that, uh, do some creative editing and use that to authorize who knows what, some kind of payment or whatever Um, I mean some of these people I'll I'll give them credit they work hard (laughs) I mean they do and if some of these folks would put their their energies and talents uh, towards a legitimate purpose they could probably do okay in life Um, so I mean it's unfortunate that people choose to use their talents that way they do um and and a lot of people get taken i mean i have seen some scam i've never been taken but i've seen some scams over the years uh that did make me scratch my head just a couple things to remember don't click on links unless you absolutely know who it is um if they send you a link that's called phishing they get your personal information Uh, sometimes not always the link will take you to an authentic looking page where they ask for your your bank account your credit card numbers whatever it may be anything they can use Um, it's sad to know that this is the world we live in unfortunately yes it is it is the world we live in and we all have to be careful Um, I'm, I'm not saying necessarily that you have to adopt my policy of not answering the phone, but I would be very, very, very careful about giving information out to anyone unless you know for a fact who it is and what they're about. Um, People calling from non-entities like the processing center or the help desk, uh, that's a red flag. If they they want you to pay them on a gift card, that's a red flag. Um, Another common one that uh, we've had a lot of here in Wyoming is someone supposedly from a law enforcement agency. And there have been people who've uh, who've pretended to be from the Laramie County Sheriff's Office and Cheyenne Police Department. Uh, they'll call you up and they'll say, they'll make up a fine. You've got an unpaid traffic fine or... Uh, You were summoned for jury duty and you didn't show up or, you know, just just about anything. They'll make up anything that sounds like it might even possibly be authentic. And then what they'll do is they'll tell you, you need to pay us right now or we're going to issue a warrant for your arrest. That's not how it works, um, first of all. But uh, keep in mind that if you ever do wonder about that, hang up. Call the Laramie County Sheriff's Office, call the Cheyenne Police Department, call whoever it is and say, do I have a warrant out? Um, Almost always with these calls, the answer is going to be no, but I mean, it never hurts to double check. But generally speaking, uh, they don't call you up. And what they won't do, I can tell you absolutely, is they will not ask you to pay with a gift card. They don't do it. Um, As you'll hear in my interview with Tom Laycock coming up here in just a few minutes, if somebody wants you to pay with a gift card, it's a scam. Hang up legitimate companies legitimate governmental entities they don't do that why would they do that um a common one is the um itunes gift card now ask yourself this why would the laramie county sheriff's department want you to pay them on an itunes gift card (laughs) i don't think that's gonna happen um in fact it won't happen if someone basically asks you to pay on a gift card you can rest assured it's a scam another common venue for payment among a lot of these con artists they'll ask you to go purchase a green dot debit card i don't know why particularly like they like that debit card but with payments off a debit card as opposed to a credit card you can't challenge it once it's gone so i mean i don't i don't know just don't do it um unfortunately uh, there are a lot of scammers out there. Some of these people are pretty good. Some are not so good. Another one I've gotten is, and I've gotten a lot of these, got a lot of them around Christmas, is a text message supposedly from UPS or somebody saying, Your package has arrived. Check the status by clicking on this link. No, don't do that. You, if you didn't order a package, it hasn't arrived. Um, you know, just like if you didn't enter a contest, call me crazy, but you're probably not going to win it. <laughs> Uh, I had a friend one time that was told he won the Irish sweepstakes for five million dollars a friend of mine Jack uh, and I'll leave his last name out of it but I I told him I said Jack did you enter the contest said well no I said well Jack you probably didn't win you think that you think the Irish sweepstakes just pulled your name and said we're gonna give Jack and Cheyenne lots of money because we like Jack no, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, in some of this stuff, I laugh about it. Some of it sounds funny in the retelling, but the people who are good at this, and not everybody is, but the people who are good at this do a pretty good job of selling it. And at times... um they're good enough so they can get people to do what they normally wouldn't do. Another tactic they'll use, particularly with the phony warrant scam, is you need to move on this right now. No time to think about it. You need to move right now, or we're setting out a warrant for your arrest immediately. Well... What they're trying to do there is they don't want you to stop and think about it. Um, it, it, Again, it's sad. It's the world we live in. Anyway, we've got that interview with Tom Laycock coming up at 11.33. At 12.05, uh, Governor Gordon the other day declared uh, Thursday, I believe it was, as uh, it would have been May 5th, so I guess actually that would have been Wednesday, but declared uh, May 5th as missing and murdered indigenous Women's Day. It's a big problem in this country in recognition of that proclamation. I'm going to play an interview I did a while back with uh, Senator Affie Ellis and a University of Wyoming expert on the subject of missing and murdered indigenous women. It happens a lot. It's a major problem. Uh, It was a very good interview. We'll hear that coming up at 12.05. Then at 12.33, we'll be speaking with the Master Gardener program. And uh, originally they were going to talk about their plant sale, but, well, they sold most of their plants. So I think we're going to talk about how to get your kids interested in gardening. could be a lifetime healthy habit and something that uh, they'll benefit from forever after. So that's what's coming up. Thank you for joining us again today for the Weekend in Wyoming program. Doug Randall with you here on your Saturday. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back with Tom Laycock and that Scams interview. And he had a lot of great information. We just kind of hit the high points here the last few minutes. Um, but he really gets into some details. Again, some of these people, I've, I've got to tell you, if they, would, if they would spend their talents at a legitimate job, they'd actually do pretty well. A lot of them aren't dumb, and a lot of them work hard. Unfortunately, they choose to use their talents in a venue that uh, is, is dishonest, and that's unfortunate. AM 650, KGB, KGAB, you're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. Thank you for joining us back with the Tom Laycock Scams interview just ahead right here on AM 650, KGAB. Speaking with uh, Tom Laycock, Associate State Director for the American Association of Retired Persons. Good morning, Tom.
4: Well hello Doug, thanks for having
0: me. Now the topic this week is fraud. I'm going to bring up a fraud that I've been targeted with here recently because I know I'm not the only one. Somebody keeps calling my cell phone and claim claiming they're from the quote processing center and that I owe back taxes. I don't owe back taxes and I know that the IRS uh, doesn't call you and when they do call you, if they did, they wouldn't call themselves the processing center. I will say, however, whoever's perpetrating this fraud fraud sounds very convincing. Is this one you've heard of?
4: This is, so this is otherwise known as the imposter scam. Um, So we see a lot of this, everything from IRS to uh, treasury agents and even local police. And you know, I mean, one thing that we we tell people again and again is these folks will not call you uh, with something like this. But this is is an oldie but a goodie. and in fact, the IRS is uh, is, is kind of tired of it themselves, and so they're asking for anyone that gets this particular scam to call them, and I'll give you the number that they'd like to to have you call them. Okay. 800-366-4484, or you can go to tigta.gov to report it. Because frankly, they're sick of it too.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> Now, Tom, one, inter- one interesting thing with this scam, I happened to post about it on my Facebook page, and one of my Facebook friends said, hey, they just called me too. Is there some way they could have tracked our numbers to get on this list because we're Facebook friends or anything of that nature, or do we know?
4: So we're not quite sure if, if that's the case. That's that's certainly, a, I suppose, a possibility. But one thing that we've we've talked uh, at length about with with folks is the fact that in, in the past we've seen... Um, We've seen a number of you know what the what folks will do is they will go to a legitimate um, call center mm-hmm. and uh, just have that call center start doing phone numbers. And as soon as they get working phone numbers, um, that's those are the the ones that those working phone numbers are sold.
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> as soon as as soon as they get working phone numbers, then they sell those working phone numbers. Um, and, and they're, you know, they don't necessarily know who they're sending them to, um, but it's certainly, you know, it's something that uh, the, they can send to, to folks who are trying to pull the scam. People who are, you know, uh, some legitimate people as well as those that might be a little bit less. But they do pick up a set number of dollars uh, per working phone number that they get. And so I get, I'll get a number of the calls where people call, and it's from a number that you may know or may not know, and they call that spoofing. Where they' right use someone else's phone number um that to make it look more legitimate and uh i'll get the call and, and when you pick up you hear nothing on the other side and mm-hmm. one thing that we've actually done in the past we had someone at ARP put together a a news story on this for us and it's actually worked pretty well for me to knock down the number of scam calls that i get but pick up and don't say anything right so pick a, you know, and, and you'll get the beep, beep at the end, because what happens in a lot of cases, if it goes to voicemail, that comes up as a working number.
5: Uh-huh.
4: And so that will be, you know, tracked off to somebody else. Um, you know, that'll be tracked off to somebody else as they're selling those numbers. So just pick up. If it's somebody is legitimate, they'll say hello. Um, but, you know, in a lot of cases, these tend to be sort of voice-activated robo
0: and I think you bring up an important point that I'm not sure everybody's aware of, although I think most folks are at this point, and that is, just because it says it's a Cheyenne number or a Wyoming number, that doesn't mean it is.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. It's the beauty of the spoof. Is a long time ago, uh, scammers figured out that folks are more likely to pick up if they feel like it's a Wyoming number, a Cheyenne number, someone that they know. In fact, uh, a couple months ago, I got spoofed for my own number.
0: I've I've heard of people doing or hearing that. Yes.
4: Yeah, um, and, and, I, and, and I'm a jerk, apparently I'm, <laughs> apparently I'm scamming myself, um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the next step uh, with those phone calls.
0: One time in the not-too-distant past, it was a Cheyenne number, I picked up the number and I thought, well, it could be legit, so I called the guy back, he goes, I don't know, somebody's using my number. So, I mean, they can use an active phone. As you said, they can use an active phone number. I don't know how this all works, but uh, it's, it's a new facet to this that something, uh, that's something people do need to be aware of.
4: Well, and, you know, you had mentioned um, the, the imposter scam, the IRS processing center calling you, Mm -hmm. Uh, or, you know, I I get a lot of them for student loans that I haven't had for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the one thing we ask people is if you really, if you think it could be legitimate, hang up, find a legitimate phone number for them in the phone book or online and call that number. Uh If it's legitimate, they'll get you to the right person. Absolutely. Never be be afraid to to hang up and, and call a legitimate number that you can confirm is, in fact, you know, in this case, the IRS.
0: Now, in the past, and these scams were not quite as well executed but i 've gotten what sounded like a recording from again from the irs and just to clarify they don 't call you by phone, they mail you stuff, but not everybody knows that. I got a recorded uh, recording that sounded fairly fairly serious and fairly believable now when I, just, to, just to mess around with them, I called the number it was some foreigners, I could barely understand what they were saying. That was not one of the more well executed scams, but this latest one. <laughs> I've got to give the the, the gal credit who who uh, left him, and she left a message on my phone. Did it a couple times, and she sounded really believable. She was obviously a native English speaker. She sounded friendly, professional. So it, uh, it, it 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 takes some awareness on your part, and and you know you've got to be very careful with this because you can get fooled if you're not careful.
4: Absolutely correct, especially you know scammers have they've they're it's a much more uh, in-depth process than just calling someone and hoping to get their money. Uh-huh. I mean, there's there's really a hope that uh, they try to appeal to your emotional side. And one thing we tell folks is if someone's demanding action quickly, um, that's that's a concern. That's a sign. If someone's saying, "I need a credit card now," um, you know, take a step back because they're trying to get you emotional. They're trying to get you out of your out of that place where the frontal lobe is working and and you know, really working through the logic of whether or not this is legitimate and, and getting you to a place that's that's very emotional. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the biggest one that, that we see over the last couple of years is that social security imposter scam.
0: I've gotten that call too. And I, I haven't even collected social security, but they, I, they either don't know that or don't care. I think it's the second. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you
4: in 2020, the social security office of the inspector general received over 700,000 reports of social security imposter scam in 70% of the calls to the aARP fraud watch network helpline related to social security imposters
0: so this is extremely common then
4: very and you know unfortunately it's common because it's worked
0: right they wouldn't keep um, so doing well, these things if it didn't work unfortunately
4: that's right so just remember and it's a numbers game I mean they don't they don't care if you call and, and yell at them and and whatnot for them. It's a matter of getting you off the phone if you're not going to take the bait and moving on to the next person.
0: Hey, I want to jump back to something you said a moment ago because I should have asked about it and I neglected to do so. Why uh, why should you answer your phone and just not say anything as opposed to letting it go to voicemail? Is there a reason for that?
4: You know, maybe it may come up as a deadline. Oh, okay. And at that point, that becomes a number that they're not going to sell to anyone from um, telemarketers to, you know, on purpose or otherwise to an imposter.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Now, I've heard of a, uh, go ahead.
4: I was gonna say sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, You know, I've I've picked up and said nothing and then all of a sudden the UPS truck is driven by and my dogs have let folks know that that is a working line.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of the UPS, that brings up another scam. Apparently I'm a a scam target for these folks, I'll tell you what, because I've gotten one and this one is a text message, it's not a phone message. I've gotten a text message claiming that my package from UPS was uh, was either on the way or here and you need to click on this link well of course I hadn't ordered anything uh, but this is a pretty common scam too from what I've heard
4: we're seeing a lot of that right now um, and then usually they give you a link to to take you somewhere else and and it looks very good because it's not that tough to actually uh, go through and, and re put together a website in fact we're one of the big scams that we're seeing right now has to do with rental property scams, and in what uh, what the scammers are doing is they're stealing photos of real properties off the internet, mm-hmm. and then advertising these rentals at, at a rock bottom price. And so you start talking by email, you find this terrific deal on a rental home, um, you know, down in down south where you know uh, you know you can get away for a little while, and uh, you know the, the big piece that we we tell folks to avoid right there and then is the fact renters are asking, uh, they're being asked for payment right away, and right. almost always through a gift card.
0: And that's a dead giveaway right there.
4: That's right, so if, if anyone's asking you to pay for anything through a gift card, stop what you're doing, hang up.
0: Well, and surprisingly, I've heard of scams supposedly involving law enforcement where you owe a fine and they're gonna issue a warrant for your arrest if you don't send them a gift card right away. Now, common sense, in my opinion would dictate that you know the, the Laramie County Sheriff's office is not going to take payment on a gift card but again it apparently <laughs> it, it must work they keep doing it
4: absolutely well and, and you know so we did arp did a uh a, did some polling in the last year and um you know the question being if if someone directs you to pay a debt or obligation with a gift card is it a scam and and it seems like you know I you know off the top of your head you'd say yes but actually one in four people surveyed by AARP got the question wrong.
0: That is surprising. And
4: uh, we've seen a huge influx in gift cards being used as payments uh, by criminals according to the FTC since 2018. That's a big one uh, that we're seeing. Gift cards they're super easy to find uh, and they're virtually untraceable. And so as soon as you share that card number with the scammer the money is gone
0: now another scam or another i guess mode of payment that these scammers will use according to what i've been told by people in law enforcement is go get a green dot debit card at walmart and pay me with that what's what's the what's the advantage to for them to do that
4: once again it's it's that same piece of it it's it's the card numbers are real easy it's you know these gift cards were put together so that you could share money quickly and easily right and um you know, in some ways, unfortunately, they kind of, uh, they've made life a little bit easier for scammers as well.
0: Now, first and foremost, if it's a gift card, it's a scam, hang up. What are some other big red flags?
4: Um, you know, one, one thing we're seeing right now is uh, a scam where, where emails um, or phone calls will uh, impersonate a big box real, retailer mm-hmm. and claim that you're owned re- owed a refund and you have a phone number that you need to call or you need to click a link to get processed. What ends up happening in a lot of cases is um, you get to a scammer who will say, you know, hey, this is really great news. You know, I, I need to uh, remote access your device and, and get you paid. Right. So they'll convince you to sign into your bank account so they can show you the deposit on site, um, and then they will actually take you to a fake page which um, where they say, X- oh shoot, you know what? I was supposed to give you a hundred dollars. I gave you ten thousand dollars, so I need to get that money back. Right. And, uh, and and they'll do the thing. Oh my gosh! My boss is going to fire me if he finds out. So let's just keep this quiet.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and then they'll they'll take back the money. But the thing is, they never put the money in in the first place. They just were able to get thousands of dollars out of your uh, out of your um, bank account. So you know, once again, um, if, if they're asking you to purchase a gift card. It's, it's a scam um, or, or know that, uh, you know, the big box realtors don't, retailers don't work this way. And if uh, someone asks you to, to buy something to pay off an obligation, it's probably a scam.
0: Now, something similar to that sort of, uh, hey, you just won the Irish sweepstakes. You've won $2 million, but we need some money for processing fees. That's a scam, right?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, we're seeing, you know, we've, we've seen that for, for quite some time. Um, you know, but, you know, something else to kind of consider is just the fact that uh, there are some ways that, that you can keep yourself safe from all this. And, okay. and you know, uh, a couple of things that that we have told people in the past is, you know, three steps to keep yourself uh, protected from identity fraud. The, fir- fraud. the first is place a security freeze on your credit accounts with the three big agencies so no one can open a new line of credit in your name.
0: Okay, uh,
4: my, fam- my family's done this. It doesn't take very long. You do have to make sure you keep your username and password for it safe somewhere. But we have had, um, after we did that, we've had letters of um, people denying us new credit cards, people denying us Sprint phones. Um, we, we've had a number of things where that credit freeze really saved us from people who, you know, through these data breaches, can get your information, your personal information, and really with you know name address. Uh, social security number or driver's license number in a lot of cases that's about all someone really needs to open up a new line of credit so we tell people place a freeze on your credit the second thing is establish online access to all your financial accounts so your bank your credit card the people that you pay the most and, and check them from time to time make sure that they're there the third thing is we say use unique passwords for every online account you know consider purchasing a, a password manager that can create complex passwords. Because what we've found in a lot of cases is, you know, let's say that there's a, a big box store that has a data breach.
5: Uh-huh.
4: Um, they have all of a sudden usernames and passwords. So, so what, what scammers have kind of figured out is is people use the same password and the same username at a lot of other accounts. So if they get if they get my information through, uh, you know, through a big box re- realtor in town, then they'll start going to the more popular banks and credit unions in that in that community. So they'll, they'll go to blue and they'll try, you know, my username and my password that they pulled out of the big box. And if that doesn't work, they'll go to Wells Fargo and they'll try my username and my password that they got from the big box. So just go down one by one and until so they can figure out where you're banking and, and how to remove that money. So that's why it becomes really important um, to use the complex password and, and a unique password for each of your, each of your accounts.
0: Tom, I I think you've probably heard of this, perhaps not, but recently the Wyoming Department of Health announced that something like 160,000 people um, accidentally had some of their personal information uploaded to a website. Now, it wasn't bank account numbers. Um, I think it was just names and addresses. Do those people need to be concerned?
4: Um, I think if you are concerned, calling the Wyoming Department of Health is, is the way to go. I know that they did put out some information last week on um, you know there had been a few people that had been um, attempted to be scammed out of out of that particular data breach but uh, unfortunately i don't have a a ton of detail on that and the department of health has offered up uh, uh, their phone number um, to help folks who have gotten into that place now one thing i will remind people uh, at this point is is that you know the aarp has a fraud watch network okay that's a av- that's available that's aarp.org and then backslash fraudwatch network mm-hmm. and one of the, one of the thing one of the services that they have there is they have trained volunteers who if you feel like you have been scammed you can call them and they will take you through next steps they will talk about okay you think this happened here's problem more often than not is uh, everyone you know looks at, at these these scam alerts that we do and and says you know what on earth you know how could someone you know get not see through that but the fact of the matter is some folks don't and because they feel taken advantage of or embarrassed they just don't take any of, any other steps past that um, but we'd encourage folks by all means you know if that happens to you talk to somebody reach out to local police reach out to the federal trade commission which does a lot on scams or call the, uh, the aarp fraud watch network and so the fraud watch network it's free to everyone you don't have to be an aarp member You don't have to be 50 and over. If you sign up, they're not selling you anything. All they're doing is they're sending you watchdog alerts of scams that are happening in your area. There's a fraud watch map that once again tells you kind of what scams are going on in your area. And then they'll send you emails just with sort of tips and tricks for avoiding the scammers and fraudsters.
0: Well, and as far as being embarrassed, uh, I would refer back to uh, the scam I, I, I spoke about a few minutes ago. This lady was good. I mean, some of these people are professionals and they uh, they make their living this way and and we're not talking about amateurs in some cases they can make themselves sound very convincing
4: absolutely you know we almost um, I was uh, on Facebook and saw an ad for a, a cheap Patagonia coat mm-hmm. and I thought well shoot I'd pay that and I got on their website and I got all the way almost all the way through the process I mean I was I was typing in numbers the credit card you know ready to go and then I thought well you know that description didn't have a lot of wording to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Awfully vague.
4: Yeah, and then did you start looking around, look at the, the you know, the address that you've dialed into, you know, typed in patagonia.com to find out that the code actually costs about $300 instead of, you know, 60 And I said, oh, okay, you guys were close. You almost got me there.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and so the little things, the little things in that regard, you know, because it is so easy to copy an image anymore from the internet and then rebuild, you know, a, a pretty simple website... So, you know, we just tell people to be as careful as they can.
0: Tom, are people safe dealing on eBay? Can you get ripped off on eBay?
4: You know what, I don't, uh, that's that's out of my, that, that's certainly out of our realm of expertise. Okay. So, I'll probably defer on that one a little
0: bit. I did have a friend a couple of years ago who told me, and I've got this secondhand, but claimed that he he paid for a truck in Arizona on eBay and the scammers ran off with it. But I I don't know anything more about that either, so I'll just leave that where it is. Uh, Go ahead. You
4: know, Doug, one thing that has been a little bit topical lately is um, we're we're seeing that uh, con artists, are are um, trying to take advantage of Americans who have received their COVID vaccines mm-hmm. by sending out fake surveys about the experience. So the emails and texts look legitimate. Um, they even have logos of the vaccine manufacturers. But what they're trying to get to is your sensitive personal information. So they'll send you these surveys, and and there's a couple ways to know that they're scams. First of all, if they offer a prize for participating.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, Second, the message says you need to reply right away. And remember, we keep talking about that. When someone's trying to push you into a decision before you're ready, that's a red flag. Don't do it. Once again, they want you to, to reply right away. And third, if you don't engage with the survey, you're asked, if you do engage with the survey, you're asked to provide a credit card or other payment information. And so those are kind of your three red flags. If it's a prize, if they're telling you you need to do something right away, and if they're looking for personal payment information or a credit card. And so once again, those three Red flags are really, they happen across, you know, a variety of, of different scams.
0: I, w- I would mention a couple others that I've picked up from my interviews with law enforcement over the years. One is, you're probably not going to win a contest you didn't enter.
5: <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> Which, I mean, that sounds simple, but I've, I've known of people who fell for it. The other one is, if they tell you you won a prize but you need to, to fork out some money to win the prize, that's also generally a scam.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I I think you absolutely nailed it there.
0: Tom, I got another one a while back, and again, I I got on somebody's list. Unfortunately, I haven't actually given anybody any money, but apparently somebody put me on their list. I got a, a text scam... Claiming that I owed a six thousand dollar medical bill and I had to pay right now, well, I knew I didn't have a six thousand dollar medical bill, but again, that's another scam I've been hit with. Apparently, somebody's falling for it, or they wouldn't use it.
4: hmm mm-hmm. And once again, as you talked about, you know, as you talked about that, you got to pay that bill once again right now. So people are trying to move you into that emotional space and out of a place where you can kind of take the time and do it right. So, um, good job to you on that one. Uh, you know, one other scam that we've seen locally as well as nationally, and, and this happened. I'm a, you know, we, we go to Saint Mark's Episcopalian Church, and, and we had received an email a few months ago on this one too. Uh, but there is a, a scam going around where criminals are impersonating clergy.
0: Oh, really? Now that's one I hadn't heard.
4: Boy, well, that's and talk about messing with fire there. Um, <laughs> you know, the the crooks boost the, crook, the crook email address. Of a, of a faith leader, a pastor, a reverend, what have you, uh-huh. sends a message to the congregant requesting a favor. So that they're saying they're too busy and they're out of town. Could you purchase a dozen gift cards? And,
0: the and pastor these, pastor. these are real clergy people. They're using real names. I take it.
4: Right, right. Um, you know, and, and if you do that, they'll they will make sure to uh, you know go ahead and, and reimburse you further down the road. Mm-hmm. And and now this also has been happening um, from from scammers who have been able to spoof the email addresses of bosses. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen employees receive the same email from supposedly their boss. And so once again, the things that.
0: I have Emily Grant with the uh, University of Wyoming Survey and Analysis Center. I also have State Senator Affie Ellis on the phone. Good morning. Good morning. Now, first morning. Th- now, f- first of all, the report, uh, w- let's give a little background here. As I understand it, this grew out of a, a task force that was formed here in Wyoming uh, not not too long ago. Do I have that right? Yes, that's correct. Cool. Affie
3: Ellis.
0: Uh, how, tell us about the task force. When was it formed, and, and what's going on with that?
6: Hello. Sure. So, go ahead. Um, the task force was created um, in 2019, in um, directly in response to a awareness raising initiative that was um, spearheaded by a student organization at the University of Wyoming called Keepers of the Fire. They organized this community event to um, raise awareness about missing and murdered indigenous persons and families from um, across the state who have experienced loss, advocates and friends um, came to participate as well as Governor Gordon. And it was during um, that Awareness of Raising event that Governor Gordon um, said that he would create a task force to look into the issue in Wyoming.
0: Why, uh, why, why do we need a task force for this group of folks in particular? Is the problem a lot worse or a lot more prevalent among um, indigenous people in Wyoming than other folks? Either one of you. Yes.
6: Yeah. Yeah, I can take that too. Um, Yes, so um, there's been a a grassroots movement that has um, been going on um, starting in Canada, coming through the U.S. over the last five or six years to um, raise awareness of the problem. So the issue um, of missing and murdered indigenous women or indigenous people is not a, a new issue, but it has gained a lot of attention in the last Um, five or six years. And um, part of the problem is that there isn't a lot of um, data, it's hard to track, Um, things aren't being recorded, and so it's kind of went unnoticed. And it's because of the the family members and um, advocates, you know, raising up their voices and demanding attention to the issue that um, it's coming to light now. So that was um, one of the first goals of the task force was to pull together the information that is available so um, we can begin to understand the prevalence of the problem in Wyoming so we can address that.
0: Now, although the report does focus on Wyoming, this problem is not limited to Wyoming. It's a problem at least across the western states. Am I right?
6: Yes. Um, indigenous people are um, disproportionately Going missing and um, victims of homicide all across the country, across North America.
0: Now, from the report, uh, one stat that jumped out at me—I found this astounding—was uh, that Indigenous people in Wyoming are about three percent of the population, but thought to be twenty-one percent of the of the homicide victims. Do I have that right? That's
6: correct. So that's what we mean when we say that there's a disproportionate impact. Um, So, you know, they're 3% of the population, so if everything was the same, we'd expect to see them accounting for 3% of the homicides, but um, they are victims of a homicide at a much higher rate, making up 21% of the total homicides in Wyoming over a 20-year period that we assessed.
0: And Emily, I I read some information, and you can jump in on this either way, I read some information that some folks think even that 21% figure might be low. Do I have that right?
6: That is correct. Um, so, the way that we assess the number was going through um, the Wyoming Vital Statistics records
5: mm-hmm.
6: and the cause of looking at the cause of death as homicide. While well, um, talking with family members and listening to voices nationally, we know that sometimes when the coroners um, or medical professionals make the determine the cause of death. Sometimes it's believed that um, they're not getting the homicide designation. You know, perhaps it's that exposure or, um, you know, different causes and it's not being listed as homicide. So there is reason to believe that the number could be even higher.
0: Now, in going through the report, and, and either of you jump in, uh, jump in with whatever that you care to comment on, or if I have something wrong, just go and say it. Um, but I, I found a couple of prevalent themes in this report. A couple of a couple of real issues. Uh, it appears one, frankly, was with uh, my brethren in the media. Some of this stuff is not uh, maybe not being reported or not being fairly reported. Is that accurate?
6: Yeah, so a big focus of our report, in addition to you know just getting the count of you know how many people are murdered, how many people are missing, um, we also wanted to look at media portrayal because that's something that we had heard um, from the families is that there that this is happening and no one's noticing, and so we decided to um, look at this by assessing um, newspaper articles in Wyoming and doing a a keyword search looking for all the articles that talked about um, homicide, murder, missing, you know, those types of words, and then looked at the victims um, and the characteristics of them. And uh, we found that Native American people were less likely to have an article written about them, um, and Native American females were the least likely to have an article. We only found articles about 18 Percent of the indigenous female homicide victims.
0: I also read that some of the coverage sometimes tended to be a little, I don't know what word to use, I don't want to use the word lurid, but the, they were covered differently than other homicides. Is that—is that something you found in this report? Did I read that right?
6: Yes, so the first way that we looked at it was seeing just if there was an article present or not. But then of the articles that were present, we wanted to look at how the people were described in the article, like what kind of words were used to talk about them, the crime, the circumstances. And um, we found that indigenous homicide victims were more likely to have um, violent language used to describe the situation. So really graphic depictions of um, the circumstances of the situation, the, um, the body, the crime scene. And we didn't notice that in articles about white people as often. And often there were um, negative character framing. So this is like information about the victim that isn't directly related to the crime itself. So talking about their status in the community, maybe um that they were unemployed or they had a history of drug abuse or something like that it was more likely um to be in articles about indigenous victims than white victims senator
0: Ellis, as as an indigenous person have you noticed this trend yourself is that something you're aware of or, or what would you say about that
3: you know, I, I wanted to thank Emily for being on the line, and she deserves a lot of the spotlight on today's show just because she was the one doing the work, and, and along with her colleagues at the University of Wyoming. And um, this report is really important. I think as an indigenous person, this is something that we all kind of thought was out there, but seeing some science and some study behind it kind of verifies what we know. So I'm um, just really thankful that we've got some information to work with and along those lines this report is unique Um, you know other states have looked at the missing and murdered indigenous person issue um, have produced reports but this is the first one I recall talking about media coverage so I just am really thankful that we have the the
0: information it does sound like though that it it confirmed what you already sort of thought is that right
3: yes I I would say that most people in Indian country have a feeling that you know their lives don't matter as much and it's not only from maybe necessarily and this is again on a broad scale you know, are are those cases being investigated as vigorously as they need to be? Are they being portrayed in the media as they should be? And I think that that was always kind of a gut feeling that a lot of people who particularly have lost loved ones have had that was that there was unequal treatment. And so this report is very, very important for us to be looking at.
0: Now, the other big thing that jumped out at me reading this report was that... A lot of times, and this is for either of you, whoever would care to comment, a lot of times people were hesitant to report these crimes because there's a bit of a distrust of law enforcement. Is that accurate?
3: This is, is um, Zappi, I think that there's, there's a lot of things that contribute to lack of reporting. Years ago, um, the Obama administration um, started a program called the High Priority Performance Goal Initiative. And their focus was um, in part to look at some reservations with incredibly high crime rates and see if they could um, do something about that. And so along those lines, they increased law enforcement presences at four reservations. And at Wind River in particular, um, the initial thing that was very startling that we saw was people were very hesitant to call the police, not only because of maybe some distrust, but because they were so understaffed that there was a sentiment that why call the police? No one's going to show up anyway. But after they saw an increased law enforcement presence, people actually started calling the police again, and um, crime started going down. But um, distrust is certainly a, a part of it, and not just from a law enforcement perspective, but where those cases are heard. Um, because of federal jurisdiction, years, hundreds of years of laws making it very complicated, those cases often aren't prosecuted in their community, they're done in federal courts, and so there is that disconnect with um, You know jury selection and just venue and places where people go to
0: see where justice is happening but if i'm hearing you correct uh, maybe some progress has been made with this whole thing over the past few years would that be accurate i think
3: that um, having a very strong spotlight is very is an important piece of this discussion but you know from a state perspective we're doing what we can and what we know to do to try and um do a better job of reporting but certainly there going to need to be changes made at the federal level and so Um, You know, if if you look at the timeline of our country, some of that progress might be due to float, but I think in my lifetime of working on these issues, I have seen progress, and I I think we're moving in the right direction, but it will take years of vigilance, um, action, or not vigilance, but just vigilance and and commitment to act to see some changes. So reports like this definitely help keep the momentum for those kind of efforts.
0: Now, looking through the report, I'm looking at Appendix C here. Some of the findings from stakeholder interviews Uh, Again, why sometimes crimes were not reported. There were some other issues, things like no cell phones, no computers. um, The fact you might have to drive a long way to make a report. So there's an isolation factor here as well.
6: Yes, absolutely.
0: Go ahead, go ahead. So um, that
6: was one thing that we heard a lot is that, you know, there's a... Effort to get forms online, and then that's going to be more accessible for everyone. And that's not true um, in some locations when you don't have reliable internet connection, um, you know, or the cell phones or whatever. It actually can make it harder than just having a paper form available.
0: So, how could we address that? What could we do to make uh, filing these reports easier, uh, say, for some of the more, uh, more isolated residents on the Wind River Reservation? Is there, is there a solution?
6: you
3: know i, I think know, that I, I don't
6: write oh, out emily go ahead i'm
3: sorry oh go ahead Senator well from our, our perspective certainly on the select tribal relations committee um we're in the middle of a legislative session right now but uh, we will be looking at interim topics that we're going to take a further study on during this 2021 20, year and i know this report is uh, very important to us we want to make sure we're following up and so i think some of those questions we'll be having with um the very people who helped develop the report, as well as those on the other side of it who provide the forms and see what we can offer as, as potential solutions, but I'm sure Emily has given this more thought.
0: Emily, go ahead.
6: So I don't want to do what, what Senator said, unfortunately there seems to be an issue with the connection on my phone. So. Um, I'm not sure if this was already said or not, but I think that a really great idea um, that we've discussed and that was brought up from the community um, is having a advocate or, you know, a, a person that is well-versed in the system of everything that needs to be reported, which organization to talk to, which forms that need to be filled out, the certain timelines. Um, someone that is familiar with that process that can work directly with the families when they need it to help guide them through
0: that. Now again I'm looking at some of the report findings. uh, How can government in Wyoming help tribal members and tribal communities solve, find, identify, or bring closure to families of missing or murdered uh, loved ones. There are quite a few recommendations here. Uh, A couple of them kind of touched on what you mentioned already, but there were some other other things brought up here in this report, and uh, some of the things were relatively simple, like seeing the governor listen to the story of a tribal member losing a family member and deciding to take action was good. Sometimes the first step, I think, is is to admit the problem exists, and maybe we've taken some steps. Certainly in that regard, with this report and this task force. Um, if I'm reading the report quickly or correctly, certainly a lot of work left to be as as uh, left to be done. Uh, Senator Ellis, of course, is, as you know all too well, we're in a tight budget situation. Does that impede these kind of efforts, or are there things we can do that, uh, despite the, uh, the, the current revenue situation?
3: Well, I think, you know, as I read that um, recommendation, I thought it was a good idea. One criticism that is a fair one that we are on the receiving end of often is, you know, have we reached out to the tribal council to see what their reaction and what their perspective is? Right now in Wyoming, um, through our budget, we fund two positions to provide for tribal liaisons for each tribe. And throughout the years, there have been efforts to consolidate that to one. And I know Senator Case, who represents the reservation, um, has been a very strong advocate for ensuring that both tribes have their own liaisons. But I think the question will be for our our tribal counterparts is how do you see this um, being effective? you know I think there's a lot of value in maybe looking at um, each of the tribes and saying do you want to fund your own position within your own government within your own representative so it has less of an appearance of being a state position mm-hmm. so I, I think that uh, you know despite our revenue picture we should always be open to doing what's right um, you know we we've been year- blessed with years of uh, great mineral wealth um, so I think that some of these um, budget issues can be resolved but. Those will be the questions I'd like to examine with um, both tribal councils, um, just to make sure that if we do have these positions available, that we've got the right people and the right structure in place. And that's, in my view, not always necessarily provided by the state.
0: Now, looking again at some of the recommendations in the report, collaboration between the DCI cold case team and the BIA cold case team, I would assume as a layman, for example, that would not be especially expensive. It's just a matter of setting it up, Right.
3: Well, a few years ago, um, right as the governor was forming this task force, and I I do want the governor to receive some acknowledgement for this tremendous effort. Um, You know, I was at the lunch where he he was called on to to form this task force. Um, He, without hesitation, you know, welcomed the opportunity, took action, put some community members as well as his executive team on the case to come up with this task force. And so he deserves quite a bit of credit. At the same time, the legislature, we were looking at um, changing our statutes. And so we did make some recommendations that were eventually passed into law. Some of those require state and local law enforcement agencies that are mandated in statute to work with um, other law enforcement agencies. And we added the word and tribal law enforcement and tribal. And by adding just those simple um, changes to our statute, uh, we've really tried to make that an encouraged part of, of how law enforcement works together from state level with um tribal law enforcement as well as the fbi and and other federal partners
0: so if we know have we seen any positive results from that yet
3: well like everything um 2020 was a a year that we were hoping to maybe have some look back information but it it just was um a bit of a a challenging year and emily can speak to that with the task force as well so um you know i don't want to belabor the point that COVID was difficult for everyone but i at least from my perspective i know um we're all looking forward to the work we have ahead of us and we're going to pick up where we left off and and keep a
0: very laser focus on this issue emily did you uh, did you find that to be true that covid was a big impediment to moving forward on all of this is the weekend in wyoming program on the phone i have emily grant uh, from the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Task Force. We also have Senator Affie Ellis on the line. And we've been talking about a report that recently came out on the issue of missing and murdered indigenous persons in Wyoming. And, and although certainly uh, from what I read, it's a problem for both genders, the, the problem seems to be especially uh, severe among, uh, among indigenous women. Is that a correct finding? Emily, go That on.
6: is correct. Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, it's all indigenous people that are experiencing a, um, disproportionate rates. Um, but there's uh, definitely a, a big focus on indigenous women.
0: Why, why is the problem if we know more severe among indigenous women? Do we know that? First of all, do we know, do we know why it is or do we have any theories?
6: Emily? so uh, you know from a data perspective <laughs> I would say that we we don't know there isn't a a concrete reason that we can point to with data you know I, I think that there are, are many contributing factors and each each case is different but what's important is that each each of these cases is a person who really matters and they you know deserve the full full um, justice in the issue and any type of prevention that we can do so that no more um, people are experiencing this at such a disproportionate rate is important.
0: Okay, we're down to about two minutes left. I've been uh, asking questions based on the report and and just what I know about the subject, but I'm not the expert on this field. You people are. Uh, Is there anything we haven't mentioned that you folks would like to bring up that uh, maybe our audience needs to hear about that we haven't talked about?
3: Well, just to Daffy, to kind of, um, you know, offer some thoughts on your, your prior question, you know, for the last couple hundred of years, we've kind of had a mishmash of how we approach crime in Indian country. And it really started um, with this notion that tribes are sovereign nations and they're separate. And so back when we were forming treaties with these um, Indian nations, the U.S. government would actually have provisions in those treaties saying, you know, if you have white people committing bad acts on reservations and among Indian people, they were to be delivered back to non-Indian jurisdictions, either Mm -hmm. state or federal. And so that kind of set this premise of who's in charge. And so um, over the years, um, the federal government has exerted more and more jurisdiction over crimes that happen in Indian country. So if you have a crime involving two native people and it's a defined major crime, you know, murder, rape, one of the more serious crimes, the federal government has exclusive jurisdiction. And then over the years, we've passed laws. Congress has passed laws. We've had Supreme Court cases. Um, they are given interracial crime involving either a non-Indian perpetrator against an Indian victim or vice versa. Again, the feds have um, criminal jurisdiction. But if you have two non-Indians, then the states have jurisdiction. And so when you look at these cases, you need to know the race of the perpetrator, the race of the victim, where the crime happened and the nature of the crime in order to determine whether the tribe, the state, or the federal government has jurisdiction. So when it comes to missing per- person cases, of course you're missing key elements of who sh- who's in charge, mm-hmm. because you don't know if a crime happened or if somebody has voluntarily you know, wandered away. You don't know where that happened and you don't know who did that to them. So of course it's been, become this perfect breeding ground for these cases to largely go overlooked because jurisdictions, jurisdictions, jurisdictions can point to one another. And so that's been a, a huge effort at the federal level. Is how do you give tribes more say in what happens over their reservations? And that's going to be an ongoing conversation. And and the, point I, about I, happening,
0: I hate to cut gonna, you off. Oh, yep. Yeah, so that's there's there's just more work to do. I appreciate it. Thanks, folks. I appreciate you coming on. AM 650 KGAB that an interview on the subject of uh, missing and murdered indigenous women governor gordon on uh, Wednesday declared that uh, that day as missing and murdered indigenous uh, women's day and i thought it was topical to air the interview so that's uh that was senator affielis um and an expert on the subject from the university of wyoming and um We'll be posting that, of course, on our podcast this week if you would uh, like to hear that again. AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station coming up on a bottom-of-the-hour break. Uh, Then we'll be back with uh, the Master Gardener program. This week's topic, from what I understand... How to get your kids interested in gardening originally, we were going to talk about the plant sale, but well they 've sold most of their plants, so uh, not much uh, not much left to explore there, but we will talk about how to get your kids interested in gardening and of course, as always we 'll take uh, take questions about gardening comments uh, we 're getting getting closer at least to the time of year uh, when people will be plant planting their gardens maybe maybe we 're into that time of year i don 't know uh, um, I think it depends a lot on the weather in a given year maybe that's something i can ask mike Keith about when he calls in in any case you're in tune with am650 kgab cheyenne's number one news talk radio station if you're interested there's a poll on our website about who you support in wyoming's congressional race long line of uh, candidates listed there pick your favorite and of course, the uh, the race still over a year away, but it's generating a lot of early activity, uh, much more so than what is typical for a congressional race, uh, which is, is actually still fairly far off in the future. Uh, but of course, the incumbent Liz Cheney has uh, been going at it with former President Trump. The former president's supporters not happy with her. Uh, several people have already jumped into the race. Others are rumored to be getting in. And uh, just a poll there if you care to express your opinion that's cool if not that's uh, that's fine too but it's an online poll if you want to if you want to have a choice to or a chance to uh, voice your opinion that's one way to do it. Good to have you along here on your Saturday AM 6:50 KGAB Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station we'll be speaking with Mike Heath from the Master Gardener program just ahead right here on the Weekend in Wyoming program you're in tune with Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station AM 6:50 KGAB. Twelve thirty-one. currently we'll be back with mike heath and the master gardener program just ahead right here on the weekend in wyoming program am 650 kgab cheyenne's number one news talk radio station on the phone i believe i have mike heath with the master gardener program good afternoon mike doug how you doing today it was beautiful saturday doing well i understand you guys are about sold out of plants there is that right
7: oh my gosh I uh, do the vegetable tables myself. We've gone from 12 tables down to a half a table in four hours.
0: So there's not much left at this point.
7: There's not much left. I mean, if you have something you're looking for, now's the time to get out here because it's not going to go on much longer, and it's certainly not going to last until 4 o'clock.
0: Mike, is now the time of year when people should plant their gardens, or is that a little early yet?
7: Well, we're still a bit early. Uh, Now's the time to be selecting your plants. Okay. You want to keep them in the house until about June 1st. Our last frost day here, uh, average frost day, is May 22nd. So you definitely want to go after that, and uh, I suggest at least give it a week, because average is just that. You get some earlier and some later.
0: Now, we did want to talk about how to get your kids interested in gardening, is that right? I think so. So, good time of year to start them. How should you get your kids interested in gardening?
7: First thing you want to do is wait until after this next snowstorm. Okay. Not not a good time to start this week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you could be waiting until the 4th of July if you wait for all the snow to clear, though. <laughs> <laughs>
7: That's always possible. Anyhow, starting the kids early. Um, we've got a 19-month-old granddaughter living with us right now, and uh, we've already had her out. Helping us clean out some of the flower beds and things like that. and you know, Of course, there's not a lot she can do, but she thinks it's just a real hoop to pick up some sticks and go throw them in the wheelbarrow.
0: So, is that a place right. to start then? That's a good place to
7: start. Just start them being helpful. Um, they can pick things up, throw them away, and as they get a little bit older and get some more dexterity, you can let them start uh, using some tools. And you know, there's all kinds of little kitty tools out there. Uh, rakes and shovels and things like that that the kids can use um, and, and let them start digging in the dirt I mean good gosh you can always wash dirt off um, but, but let them get out there and get dirty and get muddy and it, it's not going to hurt anything it's going to make them feel good and really digging in the dirt for adults too which is kind of why I garden um, brings me back to my childhood you know it's just a fun
0: thing to do why? Why should we care about getting our kids interested in gardening? Why does it matter?
7: Well, to begin with, there's a huge psychological effect uh, from gardening, and I'll say it's not just kids; it's adults as well.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh,
7: Digging in the dirt makes you feel good. It helps release endorphins, uh, and 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 I don't know why that is. That's more of a psychiatrist type issue, but it does, and it's, it helps your mood. Uh, to just be out there digging and hustling around. Even if things don't grow, uh, that's not always the point. It's the being there and trying and doing things, and it's relaxing. Uh, It's good for your heart health. It's good for your body in general. uh, good for your mind. good for your soul uh, to get out there and just garden and dig, whether it's flowers, vegetables, uh, whatever, but just be out doing and being outside in the sunlight.
0: It's also a lot of times when you'll research cardiovascular workouts, a lot of them list gardening as being one of them.
7: It is, and it's usually um, not a heavy uh, workout, right? You know, like you're not lifting weights or anything, well, unless you're moving bags of dirt or something, but uh, you're keeping things a little bit elevated uh, for longer periods, and. It's easy to do just relaxing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's that same way for kids. Uh, We have a lot of uh, issues being reported with kids now. Well, why not get about doing something productive that helps them to relax and calm everything down? Get off the uh, computers, off the uh, phones, and then do something with your hands that you can actually see a result from.
0: Well, and one... And I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about modern youth, but one, one problem with kids these days is getting them off the, the video games and the computers and all that, that sort of thing. Uh, Mike, when you and I were kids, we'd go outside, we'd play, maybe we'd play some football or baseball or whatever it was. Kids today, a lot of them are just stuck in front of that computer, and that's yeah, I mean, a certain amount of that's probably okay, but you really need some physical activity, too.
7: Well, you really do, and, and the body and the mind actually work hand in hand. Um, you know, being on the video games, yes, it builds acuity and builds reflexes and things like that, but it doesn't help the body itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get out and do the physical activity, too, then your mind is gonna be more at ease and you can do a better job at your video games. So I say everything is, everything works together in the body.
0: AM 650 KGAB are in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program back with more with Mike Heath and the Master Gardener right after this. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one News Talk radio station. I have Mike Heath with the Master Gardener program on the phone. By the way, Mike, are you uh, taking questions if people have questions today? Of course I'll take questions. be happy to. Well, and our phone line's open at 632-3323 if you have any questions for the Master Gardener. Mike, uh, you talked about uh, getting kids interested. Uh, What are some good simple things you can start them out doing. Where if they don't do it right, they don't do too much damage.
7: Well, give them a little pot, some dirt, and some seeds. Okay, uh, and, and you can do that any time of year. You don't really have to wait until uh, you know later on. Um, and, and let them plant their own seeds, and sh- show them pictures of what it's supposed to look like when it grows up, and then put it in a window. Let the plant grow. They can see it germinate. It's a science project too.
0: Now, when but, I when I was a kid, they had us grow beans as a science project. Beans are the easiest thing in the world to grow, at least indoors. You you throw them in there, and they grow like weeds.
7: Yes, they do. Um, now, something my mother did with me that got me started was uh, I was growing sweet potato plants. Oh, really? In my bedroom. Cool. And uh, the neat thing about that is you don't have to do anything. Um, just take a sweet potato, put some toothpicks in it, and stick one end in a quart jar so it's down inside the water. You have the toothpicks about halfway up the potato, it'll start sprouting. Mm. And and I had sweet potato vines growing all around the ceilings in my bedroom.
0: So they grow pretty good then?
7: Oh, real fast, and a lot of them.
0: How about, how about regular potatoes? Can you cut an eye off of a potato and plant it or not?
7: You can. Um... It doesn't always do well, because you have what's called seed potatoes, Uh, and uh, they actually work better, but I'm not saying it won't work, because in a lot of cases, it will.
0: Now, (laughs) outdoors here in in Wyoming, we are limited by our growing season. Um, Can you grow corn outdoors here, for example?
7: Absolutely. Okay. I do a lot of corn. Um, You do want to watch your variety, just like anything else. Okay. Uh, the shorter of uh, growing season varieties on anything is what you want. If you can hold it down around 65 to 70 days, uh, you're in real good shape. And remember that what it says on the seed package is not the time from the, when you plant the seed to the time you harvest. What is it? Okay. It's from the time it actually has uh, got its full set of leaves to the time you harvest.
0: Oh, okay. So, if so the,
7: from four uh, two to four weeks later than you planting it.
0: So that's deceptive. Then, if you go by that, you may run into some problems. That's right. Okay. What? What are you mentioned? Corn works here. What are some other good plants you can grow here?
7: Oh, almost anything. Um, root vegetables,
0: I understand, are are more favorable. Is that right? Root vegetables
7: grow well. Uh, cabbage does very well. Melons do well as long as you get a short season variety uh dry beans do wonderful here
0: in fact we have a dried bean industry in, in southeast wyoming uh, i think we up in torrington that they, they grow a lot of dried beans so yeah.
7: um they do um and i do a lot of uh, dry beans storm and they'll store almost forever
0: right in fact, that brings me to uh, one of my favorite varieties of beans is the Anasazi bean. You can get those at some stores. From my understanding, those were found in some cave someplace and had been there like forever. They threw them, they threw them in the ground. I guess they were originally grown by Native Americans someplace in New Mexico. Yep. Uh, and they make a delicious bean. They're, they're very sweet. They don't take a lot of cooking. Uh, one of my personal favorite beans. But those have been there for who knows how long, and they still grew.
7: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a lot of your... Uh Grains like that uh, do the same thing. Wheat is a prime example. Okay. They found wheat in the uh, tombs of the pharaohs. It's yeah. still viable.
0: Oh, wow. That is a long time.
7: Yeah. We're looking well, at four it, or last five thousand. Forever as long as it stays dry.
0: Wow, okay. What, what are some things to stay away from in Wyoming?
7: Well, anything that's a long season. Um, watermelons don't do terribly well here in most cases. Um, there are a few varieties that are a real tiny melon. Um, I call them personal size melons. Right. Uh, and they'll grow, but they really are personal size. They'll take two or three of them to make a serving for you. Uh-huh. Uh, but really, almost anything that, uh, if you get the right variety, will grow.
0: There's something to be said for homegrown vegetables, too. I remember my grandparents used to grow tomatoes in their garden. This was in South Dakota, so not not exactly the same climate, but not too wildly different. And you'd bite into these tomatoes. You could eat them like an apple because they just tasted so good. Um, It's hard to find. In fact, I haven't found tomatoes in the store that taste like that, frankly.
7: Well, I wouldn't eat tomatoes until I started growing my own.
0: Get spoiled.
7: They tasted terrible.
0: <laughs> well, the ones in the store, as, as I understand it, and you're the expert here, but as I understand it, uh, some of the commercial varieties, they're grown specifically to en- endure some of the hazards of shipping, but the result of that is they're kind of tough and they're not real tasty.
7: Well, they're tough and not tasty, but remember, too, just the shipping itself takes a lot of time. Okay. And then you've got storage after that uh, at both the supplier and in the store. Mm-hmm. And the longer these things are in storage, the more they're breaking down and losing flavor. Uh huh. And some another issue that we're finding, well, not finding, we found it a long time ago, is that in a lot of our commercial uh, farms, we're losing a lot of nutrients out of the soil.
0: Why is that?
7: Uh, the plants are just using them up.
0: So do, does that get replaced with crop rotation and, and fertilization? Well, or?
7: fertilization is what we have to do. Crop rotation is primarily just to keep diseases out of the plants.
0: Okay, so it doesn't refurbish the soil?
7: Not as much, no. You can plant things like legumes, uh, alfalfa, beans, things of that nature. That'll help put some of the nutrients back, but it doesn't put enough back to uh, do the whole job. So we've gotta come back in with fertilizers, which are chemical. Right. And to make it uh, uh, cost-effective, it's a synthetic chemical, synthetic fertilizers. Right. Um, which there again, you're not getting the right fertilizer for the plant, which is the natural fertilizer, which would be the decomposed plant. Uh-huh. Um, and so we're just losing some of the nutrients and losing flavor as well. Now, if you're uh, growing your own vegetables, you can replace that year on your uh, own and you can get that flavor back into it Okay. because you don't have to put the unnatural fertilizers. You can do things like uh, alfalfa pellets, which is really just compressed grass. Mm -hmm. Um, Molasses, which just helps feed the uh, uh, microbes in the soil. Uh, It breaks down into sugars. And so you're actually replacing everything with a natural product.
0: Now, I had a guest on last week, and I'm going from memory, but I believe she said you really shouldn't use horse or cattle manure as um, fertilizer. Is that right? Correct. Why is that again?
7: Too much salt.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. we've
7: talked about that several times in the past uh and at any or any manure not just uh horse and cattle um you can use it but you've got to let it compost down for years before you can uh, and let that salt leach out of it
0: okay i'm speaking with uh, mike heath of the master gardener program we'll be back with more right after these words AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're listening to the Weekend in Wyoming program. On the phone, I have Mike Heath with the Master Gardener program. We've uh, been focusing on getting your kids interested in gardening, but if you have any general questions, the uh, phone line's open, 632-3323. Uh, Mike, uh, you, you mentioned it's, it's a little early to be planting your garden. Is it a little early to be getting your, your garden ready to plant?
7: Well, now's a good time to be getting it ready because the ground's soft.
0: So what should you be doing to get it ready?
7: Okay, and here again, it kind of depends on what kind of garden you have. If you're in the flower beds, now's the time to be cleaning out the uh, trash and old flowers and stuff from last year. You don't want to clean that out in the fall because that's where our ground-dwelling bees uh, will burrow in under it and they'll live through the winter. They hibernate. So you leave that uh, really nasty looking stuff in there over the winter. But now's the time to be cleaning it out. And uh, so you, uh, the green plants can come up through it and they don't have any competition for sunlight and everything else. Um, And then if you have some soil issues, now's the time you can scratch in some amendments for flowers and uh, make sure your irrigation lines are ready. um, That you don't have any holes in them that uh, have blown out over the winter, uh, cracks, breaks, things of that nature. And on the vegetable garden side, now's a real good time to be going ahead and get it tilled up. And there again, depending on uh, how big your garden is, you may use a uh, power tiller or uh, just dig it up with a shovel by hand. Um, for my area, I have no choice but to use a power tiller because ground's just too hard otherwise. Right. Um, but you don't want to over till. That's what we call recreational tilling—just going over it and over it and over it. That you don't want to do. Um, In a good, well-established vegetable garden, you can hit it once with a tiller and you're done.
0: Now, we've been hearing a lot of talk about drought this year, and we don't know how wet May is going to be. Don Day, as I think you're aware, told me a while back that if we don't have a a wetter than normal May, uh, we're probably going to be in drought until 2022. How does this affect your vegetable garden? Does it affect your vegetable garden?
7: It does. And Don and I had that same conversation here just a few weeks ago. Um, Right now, the subsoil moisture is actually very good. Um, I was planting trees this last week and I was down about two to two and a half feet, and there's real good moisture down there.
0: Right, okay. Uh,
7: But that's not going to last. Okay. And I don't believe the prediction right now is for uh, a very wet May, more of just an average May. But the predictions for the June, July, August, September time frame are much drier than normal. So you're really going to have to keep on top of the watering for all of your gardens, be it flowers or vegetables, as well as your trees and lawn. And I know living in town, you're under water restrictions. But uh, whenever you get a chance, you're going to have to start pouring water to these things. um, Otherwise, you're just going to lose it.
0: How often should you be watering, assuming it is a dry summer?
7: Well, you really have to pay attention to the ground. Okay. It's it's not as much a question of time, but check the ground itself. Okay. Um, You don't want it to dry out and be hard, but you also don't want it to be mud. So just take a spade, um, dig in a little bit, an you know, inch or two, and feel the ground and see what it is. If it's dry powder, you're probably too late to be watering so get busy. Okay. Uh, if it's muddy, let it go a little bit. Uh, you want it a little bit moist so you can roll that uh, dirt ball up in your hand and it'll hold its shape when you let it go. Okay. And then that's about how you can tell when the moisture is right in there.
0: So moist but not saturated.
7: Right. Now sometimes if you if you do wait too long, there's a trick you could use to get more moisture down into the ground is water for maybe an hour and then shut the water off.
0: Okay.
7: Give it three or four hours and then come back and water again. No that does it helps break that sub uh, that surface tension on the ground and the moisture can go in and that second uh, watering will go right on in versus just sit there.
0: Now, in regard to watering your lawn, and I realize you're, you're a garden guy, not a lawn guy, but I've had people tell me that you're better off watering thoroughly a few times than watering every day. Is that true for your garden as well?
7: Um, you really have to pay attention to the garden more closely than the lawn. Okay. And you may have to water, or well, you will have to water it much more often. Okay. Because remember, on your lawn, the roots go down. They right. go down very deep. Right. Uh, your grass roots could be four feet down in the ground. And, and you water them down that deep, because they'll pull that uh, real deep moisture up, which is why you water it heavy and less often. On vegetables, though, and with flowers as well, those roots are a lot shallower. Mike, so you're going to ha- have to uh, water more often.
0: We're, we're down to not much time left. Is there anything else you wanted to say about getting kids interested in gardening or gardening in general or, or anything pertaining to the subject here?
7: Well, so With kids, let's just get them out there and get them going. Uh, Work with them yourself, and and let them do things. If they mess it up, you know, it's plants. Right. You grow them again. Uh, But let them out there. Let them experiment. Um, Just give them projects that they can do, and they can see things grow and work with their hands. And and most kids just really love that.
0: Do you need to keep an eye on them every minute, or can they kind of go off and do their own little chores? It depends
7: on the kid and what you're having them do.
0: And how old they are. Yeah. Okay. Mike, is there anything else you'd like to say?
7: Oh, that's pretty much it. Uh, I hope to see everybody next year at the plant sale. Um, I guess maybe. I'm sorry we sold out so early, but boy, <laughs> it's kind of a blessing, too.
0: Well, apparently there's a lot of interest in gardening this year, so...
7: I think there is.
0: Mike, I appreciate your time today.
7: You bet, Doug. You have a wonderful weekend.
0: Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station.
7: You're listening to Cheyenne's News and Talk Station, AM 650, KGAB, Orchard Valley, Cheyenne, a Town Square media station.
0: A Town Square Media of Southeast Wyoming podcast. Find more of our shows at kgab.com/podcasts.